0: Brad and Glenda Pius, thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David McCrutman. My name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible.
1: David, I'm coming to you this morning after another cliffhanger last time. So far, let me summarize for our listeners what we've done over the past three episodes. Go right ahead, Scott. Thank you. In our first episode of this series, we talked about the urim vitumim, this unknown entity, which is in the book of Exodus, and it was something that was placed in the breastplate of the high priest, the Kohen Gadol. In the second episode, we then looked at the four verses in the Torah, the five books of Moses, where this phrase appears, only one of which gives us any clue as to what it is when it says you can use it for obtaining information. From God. Divine information. Finally, David, in our third episode of this particular miniseries, you defined it as the explicit name of God written on a piece of parchment and then placed inside this choshen, this breastplate. That's what we have so far, but we asked a question. We said isn't asking questions of a breastplate a form of divination, which is an explicit prohibition in the Torah itself. Exactly. So give me an answer, is it? Well... It must be okay. It's
0: obviously okay. And we have cases in the five books of Moses that have similar type of functions, that we use the name of God on a piece of parchment to determine whether or not There is something to the case. Hmm, I know what you're talking about. I think you're thinking of Numbers chapter 5. I am. And it's entitled the Sota. Soda water. Soda water. (laughs) It's not (laughs) seltzer in any way. But if you remember, a woman is being accused of... Sexual infidelity when she's married. Now, we know that if two witnesses actually see the sexual act taking place and they go to court and they testify... After having warned her, et She has to ignore the warning. They have to see the act happen, and then they have to testify. And obviously the court will put these witnesses in two separate rooms. They're going to interrogate the witnesses to make sure their testimony is fine. And only then, only then, if found guilty, the woman is put to death. That's the general understanding of infidelity In regard to adultery. And the man with whom she had her affair is also put to death. Correct. Both people are going to die. In in this case, it's not for sure infidelity. It's a very different sort of case. There weren't witnesses of the infidelity. We know that they entered into the hotel lobby. We know they went into the elevator together, but we never actually witnessed infidelity.
1: And we also know that the husband told her beforehand, you cannot go privately with this man because he already suspected something and she did it anyway. This is what we call in Hebrew, raglayim ladavar. The matter has legs. It's not that he randomly is suspecting his wife of doing something without any evidence. He has a lot of evidence. At the same time, a court can't do anything because there are no
0: witnesses. You know what happens in that case to find out whether or not we know for sure there was infidelity that took place? This is where you come in, Scott, Again, the priest comes in again. There is an entire process that took place in the temple, which included a cup of water, some dirt, and the name of God on a piece of parchment, then erased into the water.
1: In fact, according to Jewish tradition, erasing God's name in that water, and erasing God's name is a tremendous prohibition, that is understood as expressing the importance of restoring peace in the home. In other words, this entire ritual is essentially an attempt to get them back together, assuming that she actually is innocent. We don't want the husband to spend his married life always suspecting the wife. We want shalom bayit. We want peace in the home. And our sages have told us, so great is the idea of peace in the home that we even erase God's name to achieve it. A very heavy concept. On the other hand, if she is guilty, that name of God in that water will cause her to die as a result of drinking it. A horrible death. Yes, so the name of God is very, very powerful, and in some ways is used in the same way as not here predictive, but using to clarify something which would be unknown, as we said in one of our earlier episodes, the Holy Spirit, and now I'm quoting David, the Holy Spirit is not— Mr. Holy Spirit. Mr. Holy Spirit, David. Holy Spirit is not only about predicting the future, it's also about giving us information that otherwise we couldn't have known. Classified information that is now declassified.
0: Very good. Sky's been paying attention. I've been listening, David. So we have a case that we use the name of God for something to understand what was going on, and we seem to not have a problem with it. It seems to be permitted on the books.
1: So apparently, when it comes to certain elements of the Holy Spirit, this prohibition against divination, when done in the way that the Torah permits or even prescribes, it's actually allowed. Correct. And the Urim Vitumim, I'm assuming, is one more example of the same.
0: Exactly. But we're going to end off here because we're going to address another case in the five books of Moses seems to be similar in nature. Proving the point that we have to clarify what this magic rule is that we can't be involved in, and why is it that we can't be involved in the Urim Atunim? I'm expecting you, Mr. Holy Spirit, to give a good answer. Correct. My name is David McCrutley. My name is Scott Kahn. And blessings from Jerusalem.